Hello everyone, Tony here from the Coin Club Podcast. Just wanted to let you know that I use Mint Mobile for my mobile phone service provider. I recently switched and couldn't be more happy with the service that I have and the coverage. I urge you to check it out for yourself. Their easy to use website has a coverage estimator to show you how strong the signal will be in your location. No more guessing that it might be a good switch for you before you end up chasing a different carrier. They have an easy to understand plan structure and they actively try to save you money if you buy a plan that you don't need. That's right, you heard that right. A cell provider looking out for your best interest. Well, please do me a favor, check them out and use my promo code when you sign up for Mint Mobile. I'll get some free mint and if you use the promo code, you get a $15 credit to your account as well. Ryan Reynolds made everything easy with Mint Mobile except the referral code. So please check it out in the show notes and use that link, sign up, support the show, and get a credit for your new Mint account as well. Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Coin Club podcast. I hope you enjoyed the last episode that included storage solutions and a look at numismatics in France. The world of numismatics is in hyperdrive right now, particularly due to all of us being in lockdown for so long. We're getting vaccinated, and it's safer to be out and about, and this means more coin shows, more excited collectors to see in-person offerings, and more auctions and more money to spend on those collections. I have a lot of news for you on this episode, along with a showcase of the history of money in Japan, one of the last country features as a thank you to all of my new listeners. I hope you're all doing well, adding to those collections, and enjoying the community. Please don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, as it helps me out greatly. The more listeners, the better this podcast gets for all of us. And with that, here we go. Reminder to all you Morgan Dollar fans out there, the United States Mint has failed us collectors again with their botched releases and catering to huge dealers and flippers like they have had in the past and will be postponing the other Morgan Dollar and Peace Dollar series releases until a date to be determined per their website. I remember the first time this happened to me with the 225th anniversary Enhanced and Circulated Coin Set. This one was particularly a joke if I remember correctly. Hype like the Morgan Dollars, us normal collectors had to fight to get one. They sold out very quickly, and then when they weren't selling on sub-sites like eBay, the flippers and dealers returned them to the mint with some garbage excuse, and then they were all of a sudden available to us normal folks to order again. So 2017 till today, they still haven't got their stuff together. Amazing. Remember, friends, call, write, and email your complaints to the United States Mint and tell them how disappointed you are with the way that they operate. You may have heard about the recent seizure of 40,000 fake coins coming over from China. Well, if you haven't, here's the really quick lowdown. 
40,000 Chinese fakes were seized in Los Angeles, California by the Secret Service with the help of the ACEF. That stands for the Anti-Counterfeiting Educational Foundation. Morgan, Peace, Silver, Eagle Bullion, and two and a half Indian head gold coins were among the multitude of fakes that were caught before entering our country. 40,000! Can you imagine the impact this would have had on our hobby? Everyone would have to be walking around every coin show with a Sigma Metalytics machine to see if the Morgan or Peace they were buying or Gold Buffalo was fake. Well, think about it. How many times have these actually entered the country without being caught? Plenty. You know it. I know it. I know it feels like it's a never-ending battle, friends, but I would urge you to get on your favorite site like eBay, and when you're searching for the coins that you're looking for, find those Peace and Morgan dollars, the gold coins that you know are fake, and report them as such. It's just a drop in the bucket, but we all must be cognizant and put part of the solution. These counterfeiters must be stopped before the hobby is ruined with second-guessing and fakes that we cannot control. In just a little searching of the most recent news on counterfeits, I found the following. These counterfeiters are not only causing us problems in our own country, they're causing problems in their own country of China. The China Daily News source reports that 40,000 Wang coins were recently seized in the province of Shandong. Not only are they screwing us, they're giving it to their own country. When's it going to stop? On May 18th, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency reported that their Chicago International Mail Facility Division found 40 to 50 packages with counterfeit U.S. currency from China with a value of $685,000. All this was paper money destined for major U.S. cities. April 23rd, the same agency reported out of Chicago that 667,000 counterfeit coins and 1,589 counterfeit $100 bills were seized. 95% of those came from China. Someone reported those fake Facebook ads you see for the American Silver Eagles. They cut the one they purchased in half and sent it into the feds. Currently, they're investigating, but you and I both know it. Those are fake. They're all fake. Two of the 2020 V75 Silver Eagles that were just released from the Mint were just reported as fake. More Chinese fakes. Be diligent, friends. Report what you think is a fake and help us all have a better hobby. The ANA, or American Numismatic Association, will have their Board of Governors installed at their 130th anniversary convention on August 13, 2021. This means that if you're an ANA voting member, you have until July 1, 2021 to have your ballot received by the independent auditing firm to have it counted towards the vote for the new officers. Up for election, we have the following. For president of the ANA, we have Don Kagan and Ralph Ross. Vice president, which is running unopposed, is Joseph Bowling, and nominees for governors are as follows. Michael Ellis, Muriel Emery, Mary Lynn Garrett, Mark Leitersman, Clifford Mishler, Charles Morgan, Rob Oberth, and Shanna Schmidt. The huge auction news that we've been waiting for is the 1933 Double Eagle Gold Coin, offered up for sale by Stuart Weitzman. It sold for $18.9 million at Sotheby's auctions. Three bidders bidding against each other in a hot, heated, and crazy three-and-a-half-minute bidding war, ending this at the price listed above. The winning bidder's identity was not released, as was Stuart Weitzman's, 
wasn't released when he purchased the coin. Beginning in 2022, Maya Angelou, esteemed author and Dr. Sally Ride, trailblazing astronaut, will adorn the reverse of the American Women Quarters Program. The United States Mint on June 9th has announced three more women to be honored over the first year of the program. The announcement includes Wilma Mankiller, the first female principal chief of the Cherokee Nation and an activist for Native American and women's rights. Adelina Adara Warren, a leader in New Mexico's suffrage movement and the first female superintendent of Santa Fe Public Schools. And last but not least, Anna Mae Wong, the first Chinese-American film star in Hollywood, achieving international success despite racism and discrimination. One of the countries on our list of locations where the Coin Club podcast has new listeners is the country of Japan. Japan has a wealth of monetary history that is sure to grab your attention. I was lucky enough to say that I have set foot in the country, if only for a minute. Well, really a couple of hours on a layover from Thailand to the United States. I really wish I had a longer layover so I could have hopped out of the airport and checked out some of your great country. Next time, friends. And until then... Let's tell the rest of our listeners about your fascinating history in the world of money. Crack open a nice Sapporo beer from Japan as you enjoy this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. It is the oldest beer in Japan, founded in 1876. A young man named Saibe Nakagawa went to Germany at the age of 17, which was strictly forbidden at that time. He learned the art of brewing, and when he returned home, he was the first brewmaster of Sapporo beer. Introduced into the Americas in 1964, it is now the number one selling Asian beer in the United States. I love the taste, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it as well as you listen to this episode. Currency, as we know it, dates back to the 8th century AD. Prior to this, the country used commodity forms as forms of payment. The most popular of these included arrowheads, rice, grain, and gold powder. The coins found to have been used were not actually Japanese, but rather Chinese. Ban Liang, Wu Zhu, and Wang Mang coins have all been excavated all over Japan. History buffs think that these were more used as precious family objects rather than money used to buy things. At the time these coins would have been present, the commodity money was well in use. Japan first started minting coins in the late 7th century. These coins were Mumonginsen, which was a silver coin, and Fuhonsen, a copper, lead, and tin coin. Empress Genmai, Japan's 43rd imperial ruler, gave order for the first official currency in 708 AD, which was the Kochesen, or imperial currency. A reform of their official currency occurred as early as 760, which saw the introduction of 12 new coins, one of which being a gold coin. By 958, the Cochesan currency started to fall out of favor and was debased. It lasted until the end of the 10th century, along with the weakness in Japan's political system and the debasing of the currency itself. The national currency was left and returned to rice as currency came about once more. Increasing trading with neighbors in China forced Japan out of using rice currency and into using China's currency. It only made sense since the transaction between the two countries was increasing. Chinese currency lasted much longer than the first national currency of Japan. It ran from the 12th to the 17th centuries. 
Local imitations of these Chinese coins were made, but were valued at a much lower rate than a typical Chinese coin. During this time, the Yuan Dynasty exported coins from China as well as from Annam, which was a name they used for Vietnam, and another country, Korea. The second great unifier of Japan, Toyotomi Hideshi, centralized minting of large denomination silver and gold coins, which effectively started the basis for a unified currency system. Coins were not minted how we currently understand the process to be, however they were molded rather. The first process produced bundokin. The larger bundo and the small kabundo came about with this process. From 1601 to 1867, the Tokugawa currency reigned. This currency consisted of gold, silver, and bronze in different denominations. Gold and silver mines across Japan were busy over this time, mining massive amounts of raw material to keep up with demand for the mints. Shinto priests are credited with creating Japan's first paper money in around 1600. When Japan decided to open up to the West in 1854, a numismatic frenzy took place as their silver and gold exchange rate was 1 to 5 and abroad at the time it was 1 to 15. Mexican dollars even played a role in Japan around 1854 during the Bakumatsu period. They were actually used as official currency in Japan. Over this period of time, frustrated local officials decided to make a go of it on their own and produce their own local currency. With not enough currency available that was issued by Japan, the need to use other currencies and the shortage of those as well led to the production of local currency, which inevitably led to the crumbling of the current monetary system and outrageous prices for goods throughout the land. Japan entered into the Boshin War, and after a new monetary system came about with the new Meiji government in 1868. This newly established currency system was based on the yen and has remained their currency till this day. Although the new government has established a solid foundation for this new yen currency, the old money of the past continued to circulate and this resulted in great confusion with everyone. As you can imagine, if you were a storekeeper, you had to deal with other gold, silver, and copper coins, feudal notes, and everything in between. It made for an extremely frustrating and confusing time in regards to trade and purchasing goods. 1871 saw the adoption of the gold standard for Japanese currency. One yuan was equal to 1.5 grams of gold. Japan was very conscious of their neighbors and trade and how their money affected it. In 1872, they introduced a new note which was actually printed in Germany. They started to mint silver coins again as their trade with their neighbors required it. Many countries on their trade list favored silver coinage and thus the gold and silver standard in Japan was born. The country officially set into play the National Bank Act of 1872. This led to the creation of four centralized banks in the country. Shortly after, more and more national banks popped up and by the end of 1879, more than 153 banks were located throughout Japan. In 1877, extreme inflation broke out in Japan due to the Sinai Civil War. Reduction in government spending and the removal of paper currency were partially to blame. The Bank of Japan was established in 1882. It took three years for them to create a central banknote. In 1885, they unveiled the Dekokukatsu note, which was able to be converted to silver. Shortly after, 
The West abandoned silver as the currency standard and Japan adopted the gold standard in 1897. The yen was equal to 0.75 grams of gold and their banknotes also reflected a value which was convertible to gold. The Bank of Japan was now the country's only currency supplier. A centralized banking industry finally came to fruition. During World War I, Japan prohibited the export of gold from their country like many others at the time. After the Second World War, Japan removed the old currency and introduced the new yen. During the same time, the Allied Occupation Forces also had a monetary system in place called the B-Yen, which lasted until 1958. As Japan raised itself out of the ruins of World War II, the yen has proved itself to be one of the major currencies of the world. Japan's modern currency, the yen, is the third most traded currency on the world stage after the euro and the U.S. dollar being number one. The government of Japan has three minting facilities located throughout the country. The main office and mint is in Osaka and two other branches are in Tokyo and Hiroshima. They do not produce paper money at these facilities, only coins. The Osaka Mint was established in 1871. The Tokyo Mint was established in 1879 in the Ministry of Finance building and in 1939 moved to its current day location in Toshima-ku. Construction of the Hiroshima branch started in 1942 with the official minting of coins starting in 1945. This year, 2021, they are celebrating their 150th anniversary. The mints collectively mint a combination of six regular coins and a few commemorative coins each year as well. The 1 yen, 5, 50, 100, and 500 yen coins are in their portfolio. Since 2007, the Japan Mint has minted coins for 10 other foreign countries as well as their own. The Japan Mint holds many world-renowned awards for their coins. Check out their website at www.mint.go.jp for more fun facts and take a tour in the English language. Well, friends, we've come to the end of Episode 6 of the Coin Club Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our step back in time of the history of money in the country of Japan. It just brushed the surface of all that is in the world of numismatics in Japan. If this caught your attention... I urge you to take a look for yourself and see what they have to offer in our coin collecting community. It offers so much to discover and will surely keep your attention and garner newfound interests. Thanks again, folks, and I look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting me on Patreon at the Coin Club Podcast. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the same name. You can also go to my website, sevenhousecb.com, and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see in future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast.